Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 147 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson, and I have Kurt Mortensen here, who I am told is operating at a rare 100%, <laughs> just having returned from a great vacation to the Oregon coast. Uh, how was it? Oh, it was great. 100% rest, relaxation, beach time. Well, it's the coast. I grew up in California. It's the beach. There, it's the coast, probably because it doesn't get warm enough most of the time to get any sun, but it is the Oregon coast. But it was nice to be there, get some crabs. What else did we do? Ate a lot of uh, ice cream. It's just what you do out there. There's some ice cream factories and just relax. It's just something about being on the coast, listening to the waves at night, being with family. So I am at a rare 100%. I don't know if it's happened before, but hey, let's do it. Uh, Dungeness crabs, is that what you catch over there? Rock crabs and Dungeness, mostly Dungeness. The rock crabs are too small to do much with. Yeah. The uh, Dungeness, they have to be five and three quarters inches and male to keep them. And if they're just a little bit short, they send you on the walk of shame. They call it the send them back into the bay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to walk down the pier and drop them in or what? Yeah, it's a little pass back into the bay. It's even labeled walk of shame. <laughs> <laughs> Because yours was five, just, just a, I mean, I, I thought they'd pass, but of course, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had to do it then. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I've, I've done the walk of shame. <laughs> this time and times before. I don't know if they're pulling my leg or what. I'm, I'm oh, look, it's like, no, there's that little space. See that little, I'm like, I'm not seeing any light. I'm like, oh, walk of shame. Wow. So I think they just enjoy me watching me do the walk of shame or even just saying the walk of shame. I'm not sure what it is, but I've taken the walk of shame. Yeah, it's a little bit too much power. I think I'd enjoy it. <laughs> just say everyone takes it go put one back. <laughs> did, it did you have crab every day no about every other day we had seafood and i don't know if everyone's familiar with the tillamook factory that's the ice cream uh, cheese factory there great ice cream and it, we uh, pretty much lived on that and seafood and and junk food but that's what you do on vacation that's why i'm at 100 percent is i didn't have to watch what i was eating over the last week <laughs> <laughs> yeah nothing will take you below 100 percent like a diet <laughs> i know <laughs> So it's the Cheetos and ice cream and crab or get me at that rare 100%. <laughs> yeah, mentally, not physically. <laughs> physically, it's time for the treadmill. Oh, all right. You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll drag you back down. What about you? Are you at a good 100% today? I'm running at like 50. I got back late last night from speaking to a group of investors in Orlando, Florida. It was hot and sticky. Florida in July, right? But... Uh, mm. Yeah, speaking for two days, it kind of takes the gas out of you, but I've got my Red Bull. I'm giving it everything I got right now for the show. Well, that's good, but that means we're at, on average, we're at 75%, which is a, a C, so we're doing okay. Yeah, that's the minimum standard for the show. <laughs> there we go. We are hitting our minimum standard. We're doing okay, so stay tuned. We've got some great stuff today. Yeah, we like to aim high. We've actually got a guest interview coming up, and this one I think is going to be pretty entertaining. It is. Isn't it amazing that uh, this guy... He uh, reads minds. Well, we'll He's see about that. A, a mentalist. He reads minds. That's one of those interesting tools of influence and persuasion. So we should get some good stuff today. Get ready to take some great notes. Well, sounds great. Sounds great. Then let's go ahead and cut over to our interview with Carl Chrisman, the mind reader. My pleasure to welcome to the show Carl Chrisman. 
Carl is a teacher, mentalist, and author of the best-selling book, How to Read Minds and Influence People. He plays with language, psychology, and body language to help people have more fulfilling relationships. How are you doing, Carl? Oh, great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you. And we gave you a little bit of a warning on this, <laughs> more than we've done for a lot of people in the past. But as you know, weekly on the show, we talk about persuasion blunders. In fact, we queue up a little audio from Homer Simpson. We, we thought that would be the best to illustrate a persuasion blunder. Don't, don't, don't. And we wanted to ask you to get started and break the ice a little here. What's the worst persuasion blunder you've seen lately or maybe that you've even done yourself? No one comes to mind, but just watching the political campaigns going along, you can see them left and right. It used to be that people actually were trying to persuade those that disagreed with them. <laughs> now we see more trolling and just trying to speak to the supporters and kind of provoke a response from the other side. I suppose that's the nature of the political climate we live in right now, where there's a lot fewer undecided or independent voters. But it is amazing seeing people just throw all the persuasion techniques out the window and just go for standard name calling and, uh, and just speaking to their own side. Right. I feel like it's gotten worse. Maybe I was saying this four years ago, but it, it does <laughs> seem to be almost worse than ever, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. I agree with that. If you take a look at it, they've thrown the logical appeal, the influence techniques out the windows. It's all emotion with the name calling and all that other stuff to where... I guess the political campaign is one huge blunder. One huge Homer Simpson for the political campaign this year. Absolutely. It, it's a lot more entertaining, but, yeah, not very persuasive. <laughs> exactly. Let me ask you a question, Carl. We're all about getting more tools. That's what the show is about because most people only have three, four, maybe five influence tools. We're all about get more tools, get more tools. And we really appreciate you being here, kind of giving us a different spin on influence and mind reading and people and, and how to influence. And the big picture here is, how did you get into this segment of influence? How did you get into mind reading? How did that start to fascinate you? How did you start to learn that? Because that's not something that's typically learned on a college level. I know you teach a college course, but how did you get into mind reading? Well, I was always interested in the mystery arts of hypnosis, of magic, of mentalism, of playing with people's minds. And so that was always a hobby for me. I would uh, uh, study how we can use persuasion influence, how hypnosis works, and just get into more of the dramatic uh, side. But then also for my day job, I, I teach communications. And in studying that, in studying nonverbal communications, psychology, language, I found that you can actually merge the two together. So just by being able to understand what people are thinking, by looking at their body language, their micro expressions, doing a little bit of cold reading, you can really relate to people a lot better. And there's nothing mystical about it. It's this ability to empathize with others that we all have this ability to do. And so what I focused on is how can we, in my shows, I make it entertaining. In my training in the book, I make it more educational. But how can we use these skills to relate to people better, to improve our relationships, really understand people more effectively? Give yourself a pat on the back. I've, I've teached some university classes on, <laughs> on communications and public speaking. But the reason I want you to give yourself a pat on the back is now you are teaching something the students are actually going to use. <laughs> Hopefully, that is the goal. That is important. They take a lot of classes, and that's what I hear is like, you know, we can use this. <laughs> this is a good thing, and that's great with the communication skills and working with people, especially now with the digital age where people aren't communicating as much. That is a great skill for them to learn to get out into the workplace, definitely. Yeah, my goal is to make it as useful as possible. I tell them the first day of class that they're probably here because it's a required course, but I want them to stay because they want to learn 
and they realize that, yeah, this will help with everything. The communication skills we cover helps in their personal lives, getting a job if they don't have one, doing better at the job they currently have, and just all aspects of life. If you can understand people better and influence them more effectively, your life will definitely be better. That's exactly what we say is that everything you want in life is on the other side of influence or people skills or working with people, and that's a vital life skill. Absolutely. We saw it, Carl, in the book that you wrote, and Kurt, Kurt had mentioned it, you had mentioned it. I want to ask you, what is cold reading, and how do you use it as a persuader? So cold reading is this set of techniques that kind of so-called psychics use where you can look at people and try to read them very quickly. Uh, to give you an example, if I were going to try to do palm reading on you, what I would do is I'd ask you to show me your hand, and I would pretend like I was looking at the lines in your hand, but actually I'd be looking at different things. I would look at what kind of jewelry you had. Uh, if you had uh, various rings on, what do they say? Are you married? Are you single? If you have a tan line, do you normally wear a ring that you're not wearing now? Do you have a class ring? Or even just, is it flashy? Is it modest? Uh, how clean are your fingernails? Uh, how are your cuticles? Uh, do you have calluses that might tell me what you do for work if you exercise? So what I'm looking for is all sorts of little clues. The closest I can think for a good example of that that people might be familiar with would be something like Sherlock Holmes, where he could look at people and just quickly judge and tell lots and lots of things about them. And by looking at your clothing, your hair, your posture, your accent, the way you speak, and just quickly making value judgments. The difference is, unlike what you see on Sherlock Holmes, where it's instantaneous and perfect. He doesn't miss stuff. He gets it all. For most of us, it's not perfect. But what it does is it starts the conversation. And this can help us because if we can better understand what people are going through, if I can get to know you more effectively and quicker, then hopefully I'll have a better chance at influencing you. So this is the first step. People like to listen to those that can relate to them. So cold reading is all about understanding people better, relating to them and making sure that you can build that relationship before you even move to that point where you're ready to start influencing them. That's interesting. I like that because you're connecting with them. You're building rapport quicker. You're getting to know them just by cold reading. Now, as you look at working with people and again, we're all about the tools. What do you feel, whether it's reading facial expressions? I know you talk a lot about that. What do you feel is the most important influence tool that somebody can just take away and start using as far as getting to know people, connecting people, what do you feel is the most important tool? Well, I cover a variety in the book, but I think one of the biggest ones is just rapport, building that relationship. People want to listen to those they like. Uh, if you listen to comments about the different uh, presidential candidates, policy is not as big a deal for a lot of people as likability. They want to hang out with someone. They want to vote for someone that just seems like a friendly person. So if you can build that rapport which is what you're hopefully trying to do with cold reading, with being able to read people better, is if I can find out what we have in common and build some common ground there, if I can figure out what makes you tick and build that rapport, hopefully things will work a lot better. Oh, that's great information. How do you know? I mean, rapport is one of those elusive things we all want, and we've noticed that a lot of people think they have good people skills and are building rapport, and of course, when you talk to their prospect, that's not always true. <laughs> so when you're looking at someone's facial expressions, how do you know that you're connecting or not connecting? What are you looking for? Because too many people we know assume, oh yeah, I've got people skills, and they really don't. How do you know you're connecting or not connecting? You have rapport, you don't have rapport. For a person in general, if you just flat out don't have interpersonal skills, it takes some practice. In cases like that, you would want to get input from outside parties, have someone else tell you. So what worked or didn't work in that conversation? 
if you just don't have those skills. But for most people, we have that ability, and it's just about putting the time and effort in. One of the things here is just spending time with people, getting that baseline. Uh, if you look at lie detectors, or when you see it in the movies, for those of that haven't uh, been investigated by the police, uh, the way it works is they start off and ask a series of questions, and they're getting a baseline. How would this person normally react? Then you start asking questions that you really want the answers to, and then you start trying to read them. Same thing for relationships. If I just go in and I really quickly try to have a five-minute conversation and influence someone, it's probably not going to work. I didn't take the time to get to know them. I want to start off and just hang out, talk, chat, and then I can see how does this person normally react? Uh, what's their normal state of mind? What does their face normally look like? Then, a little bit later, when I start trying to build that relationship and start influencing them, then I can kind of compare. Do they look the same now as they did before? Do they look happier? Do they look frustrated? Are they annoyed with me? So what I'm looking for is those slight changes. And in the book, I cover all the different micro-expressions and the way that we can measure them and, and understand them. But there's a shortcut. It's called empathetic accuracy. So empathy is feeling someone else's pain, knowing what they're going through. Accuracy is obviously how well we do that. Starting as early children, we learn how to do that. We can tell from six months old whether our parents are happy or sad because that helps us get food. For adults, same thing. I can look at someone and just ask myself, if I were looking like they were right now, how would I probably feel? If I had that same posture, that same facial expression, if I were sitting the same way, what would be going through my mind? And just by doing that, we can hopefully understand what are they going through? What are they feeling? And then know whether or not we've really built that relationship or not. Great point, especially in negotiation, finding that baseline, their normal reactions before you start getting into the negotiation or the persuasion can be very, very, very helpful. Hey, Carl, what personality traits are you looking for when you're trying to get a read on somebody and, and influence or persuade them? What are you watching for there? I'm not looking for personality quite as much because that's different for every person. I'm just looking for those, those changes. When I say something, I'm looking for that immediate response, that micro-expression, and what's different. For example, if I were to invite you to my house for dinner, you would hate it because I'm a terrible cook. But if I asked you how the food was, you'd probably lie and say it was good because you don't want to hurt my feelings. So what I'm looking for is that split-second reaction. When I say, how's the food, I'm looking for that less-than-a-second response where you show this grimace of discontent that it was just awful before you smile and tell me how it really was. So things like that help me to really understand what people are going through because I figure everyone's personality is different and that's not going to change from before they meet me or after they meet me. What I'm more concerned with is what changes in response to what I say because that helps me to guide the conversation and hopefully influence people for the better. You know, another aspect too you mentioned a little bit earlier and I love studying this too, lie detection, deception. That's part of influence and persuasion when people lie to you. It's too expensive, can't afford, need more time, whatever it is. What are a few things our listeners can look for to know that someone's being a little deceptive, lying? I mentioned micro-expressions, a few other things. Is there anything else that they can get a feel that they're going down the wrong track or someone's being a little deceptive? I mean, you mentioned the food. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> really tasty, and you can see it, that expression. Is there anything else that you could look at as, as far as different facial expressions or mannerisms or body language that is a, pretty much a red flag? Hey, lying. When you see this on TV shows where they have people just look at someone doing investigations and they can tell the eyes went up to the left. That means they're accessing the creative portion of their mind or different things like that. Those aren't entirely accurate because everyone's different. So like I was saying, you're just looking for what is different right now. 
I could say on one person, uh, let's take poker tiles for example, if they scratch their ear, that means they're lying. Well, for someone else, they might not. So it's basically just looking for what's different now from beforehand. How do they change? And it's not an exact science. There's a very good chance that you could be wrong. So what you're looking for is just, what did I notice here that was different? And then don't jump into your line because maybe, maybe they're not. Uh, but it's a good place to start the conversation. So if I'm having a negotiation and I give the price and I notice a sign of contempt, one side of the lips raising, and that means that maybe they, they're looking down on me and they can pay more. When I see that, maybe I'm wrong, but it's a good place to start. So I would ask them about the price. I'd start talking, that, uh, talking about it. So there's lots of things that we can use just with our intuition and just guess. Is this person lying or not? And then lead the conversation that way. But it all comes down to intuition. Malcolm Gladwell has some good books on this. Uh, in, in Blink, he talks about knowing without knowing, that unconscious thinking. So we don't have to look for one specific sign, but we can just kind of ask ourselves, if I were looking like they were right now, if I did that, what would I be thinking? And just sometimes we know without knowing, we get a sense. They're not telling the truth. They're not being entirely honest. And then obviously don't accuse them or make it uh, adversarial, but start the conversation. And hopefully that leads things in the right direction. That's a great point. I think big picture, a lot of things we're talking about here is just being alert, being more attentive. What can you tell our listeners to help them be more attentive to be able to look for these things? Because they're so concerned about what to say next, they're missing all these things. <laughs> it's all just about concentration and focus. There have been some studies done on this, and they found that, first of all, people are better at doing this with those they know. So you can probably tell with your kids or your, your partner what they're feeling and whether or not they're telling the truth a whole lot better than random strangers. So spending more time with people and also just being focused. The other thing is there was a study done on this that I thought was really entertaining where they, they tried this with men and women and they found that women were better at reading others. They were better at figuring out what they were thinking and better at understanding those, uh, those emotions. But then they tried the same study again and this time they made a game out of it and they had prizes and you could actually win money if you were able to read people. And in that case, they found that men were just as good as women. There was absolutely no difference. So what that showed was it wasn't an issue of ability. It was just an issue of caring, of wanting to do it. So if you just think about it and focus and say, what's this person thinking? Do I really care? Can I build this better relationship? It'll hopefully work. In my book, I actually have some training activities and uh, some links to some online activities where you can actually practice this on your own. But the main thing is just focus and just wanting to learn that desire to understand people better. Gamification. That's where <laughs> go. That's interesting with Absolutely. the guys. Make it a game. There's going to be a winner cash on the line. I like that. That's, that's we can listen. Next time your wife tells you you don't listen, Kurt, tell her that she's got to make it interesting. <laughs> that's right. Come on. Give me 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll work great. <laughs> yeah, I'll try that one. Woo. Well, Carl, we, we put together a series of questions that we thought our listeners would want to know more about. What have we missed? What's a big takeaway that you think our listeners should know? Well, I've come up with some keys to influence that I think are really helpful. And I use the simple acronym S-A-L-E, since I figure we're all basically in sales of some sort, because we're all going through this process of trying to influence people and hopefully get them to do things that are better for them as well as ourselves. So for S-A-L-E, the first one is social proof. People are more likely to listen to others if it looks like it's popular. If everyone else is doing it, I want to do it as well. It's part of human nature. We're all going to follow the crowd. There's a t-shirt I love that says, I don't run. Therefore, if you see me running, 
you should probably run too because something's probably chasing me. <laughs> uh, and it makes sense. If I see everyone else running, I'm going to do the same. So social proof. We stand in line for clubs that seem popular. We want to hang out with people that have a lot around them. We want to do what everyone else does. So social proof for S. For A, it's authority. People like to listen to those that seem like they're knowledgeable and they're powerful. There's lots of experiments showing this. So things like the Milgram experiment, where they are able to get people to shock others just because someone in power told them. Hopefully we can use this positively. So people will listen to you if you sound like you're an expert. Do you have a degree in it? Do you have credentials? Do you have experience? Uh, do you dress professionally? Or do you just speak with confidence? People like to listen to others that have authority. Uh, so A is authority. Uh, for L, likability. And I talked about this already. We want to talk to people. We want to listen to people that we like, that we have something in common with. So it's a question that goes back to preschool. How do you make people like you? We want to listen to those that seem friendly, likability, and fun. L, likability. And E, exclusivity. We generally like things that seem more exclusive. In life, the harder it is to get, the more we want it. Collectible items are collectible because there's only a few of them. Diamonds are valuable because we're told there's not many of them out there. So if you can just make things seem exclusive. Now for products like the iPhone, that's exclusive because they are really expensive and there's not as many of them out there until they mass produce them. But the first ones, it's exclusive. I want the first, the latest, the most expensive model. For those of us that don't provide services, for those of us that don't provide products and it's all about services, our time is what's valuable. So if you were to call me, I say, oh, sure, I can meet with you anytime. Doesn't really make a difference. But if I say, well, I'm only available next Tuesday at 3 p.m., now I'm exclusive. You want to talk to me because I've made it sound more valuable. In my classes, I found that's helpful because if I just kind of rattle off the details, all the information, as though I've done that a hundred times and every class is the same, it's not exclusive. But if I lower my voice and say, okay, guys, I'm going to tell only you this. This is really special. Then they want to find out more about it. So S-A-L-E, social proof, authority, likability, and exclusivity are some amazing keys that I found really helps to influence people. That's pretty cool. That's great. Yeah, I can see that in, in almost everything that, that persuades on a mass level. So where can our listeners learn more about you, Carl? Uh, well, my website, uh, carlreadsminds.com or carlchristman.com, and it has a lot of information about my shows, my training, my lectures, and my book, How to Read Minds and Influence People, which is available on Amazon, and I'd love to hear from people. Sounds great, Carl. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate it. Great information. Thanks for coming on. Great. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Have a good one. You too. All right, Kurt. So Carl Reads Minds. I think he had some good points to make on the show here. What do you think? It's great stuff. I watched one of his videos where he does this little show and he reads minds, has a lot of fun with it on the influence side. But there's some great takeaways there that a lot of people don't realize. I mean, the first one is just being alert and really reading people is important. If you can take notes and forget what to say next, that was important. Finding that baseline is one we teach in the negotiation all the time is if you want to learn how to detect deception or understand people, you have to talk about the weather and the family and, and see how they act when they're not nervous and you're not in that influence situation. We've seen this before with psychics that I've read books on, on cold reading on how when you look in someone's hand and, and you think they're looking at your lines and your lifeline and this line and your heart line, all the other lines. We'll have to have a psychic on and tell us about our lifeline on our hands. <laughs> but they're just feeling your hands. I mean, for calluses, they're looking at your rings. They're, they're seeing how you're reacting to touch and your fingernails and 
I mean, how perceptive you have to be and quick too to kind of pick up all that information as possible. And that's what psychics do with your reactions, those micro expressions and looking at different things to see if they're on the right track to get to know you because you can get to know people just on those basic things. But for most people, it's like, how are you doing? And they're thinking about what to say next and they're not really getting in there and understanding the person. So I think that'd be a great technique and talent for anybody. That's probably the most valuable thing I got out of it was that, yeah, we're too worried about what we're going to say next instead of listening to what the other person is saying. You will accomplish so much more in such a shorter period of time by just listening instead of worrying about talking. And that's right. And that's why I encourage people to take notes, either on the phone or face-to-face. Ask permission. Can I take notes? And people actually appreciate that. And why that's important is not only you gathering information on them, but onto the side, onto the right, what I do is, write down what I want to ask and when I say what my thoughts are so it's out and I can still listen and ask questions and get that information without forgetting what I wanted to say next. But so many people, i got a great idea, I need to say it. They cut them off. They cross the line from confidence to arrogance. They miss out on something they need to say. Because we know if you can just listen and ask the right questions, they'll tell you everything you need to know to persuade them. Totally, totally. Well, that's a great interview with Carl. And we'll have more guests on in the future. And we appreciate everybody listening. We'll catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Take care. Go out and persuade the power.